It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, you can take us with you anywhere you go if you download the iHeartRadio app. Punch in our coordinates. Like I said, take us with you anywhere you go. And we'd also like to welcome those people that now listen to Moment of Truth on other radio stations. We welcome you, and also if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform and or on our SoundCloud. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show, I have with me, Trina Mather-Samard, and she is the Executive Director of the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival and also the Summer Solstice Indigenous Music Awards, which are going to be held on June 12th live from the National Arts Centre in Ottawa, and we're going to be talking to her about the awards, but also the just announced, just momentarily ago, the announcements were made for the nominees for the music festival. So it is a pleasure to have Trina with me here on the show. Trina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. So we just saw the awards, of course, uh, or the at least the nominees... Nominees announced for the awards that are going to be taking place on June 12th. And, of course, the host that will be also on the show at that time, Serene Fox, was doing the announcing live from your Facebook. Yes, absolutely. So we're so excited to, uh, to share our nominees. It's, uh, you know, been through the review process with our jury. And we're just so excited to share all those talented artists from across Canada. Now, there were a number of awards. Are you, can you just roughly give us an idea of how many awards uh, areas there are that artists are nominated in? Absolutely. We have 18 categories. Uh, so we've really tried to, you know, include many of the standard music awards, the different genres, uh, pay homage to our diversity of cultures with Métis and Inuit awards, and really incorporate some that we felt were very reflective of our community values with social voice, uh, honoring our youth and, uh, you know, rising up those young leaders. So uh, it's, a, it's 18 categories that are kind of a combination of those elements. Right. And I wouldn't mind sort of looking a little more closely at some of those, but you mentioned one that I thought was really interesting, and that was the, uh, the um, uh, social voice. And there's also the youth leadership one, which I thought was really interesting. Yes, when when we were first looking at putting this together, so we originally intended to launch uh, the awards in 2020. And although our festival went on, we thought it wasn't the right climate to, you know, really truly have a celebration of these artists. Uh, So we postponed to 2021. But when we were first developing the awards concept with our committee and our artistic leaders, who are uh, Vince Fontaine and Elaine Bomberry, you know, we wanted to find some other ways to celebrate artists and, and their accomplishments. And uh, so we really thought, you know, so many artists, um, you know, lift up our community's voice through their music. And so we thought that that social voice uh, was a really important part of uh, what we wanted to celebrate. But and, and the youth leadership, tell me more about that one. Yes. And again, you know, I think that 
you know, music can play such an important role in our community. And, you know, there's artists that are working with youth and, you know, sharing music and developing talent. And, you know, it may not result in, you know, a recording or something, but they're, they have an impact on the youth through music. And so we wanted to find a way to celebrate those, those artists as well. And I also heard uh, Serene mention this. This is the inaugural, the first ever, because you, like you said, it was supposed to be last year, but uh, COVID got in the way. Absolutely. So we had uh, planned, we had released and started accepting, uh, you know, nominations uh, prior to having to uh, decide to postpone the 2021. So it is our very first celebration. Uh, we're hosting it at the National Arts Centre, who was a, a partner uh, when we hoped to be live <laughs> both last year and this year, that we uh, hoped to have a live audience at the National Arts Centre. Uh, at this point, we are looking more to be broadcasting from the NAC and, and welcoming everybody to join us there live next year. But uh, yeah, we have had to, you know, uh, pivot and, and adjust the celebration, but, you know, still really looking to welcome everybody from across Canada to that, uh, to the awards and the celebration. And, you know, there really are some very exciting artists that are coming up within the Indigenous community right across uh, Canada, Turtle Island. There's some great names that were mentioned in those nominees that we heard today. There really was. And I found, uh, you know, I tried personally as hard as it was to, uh, you know, not peek too much <laughs> during the uh, the process of the jury review. And uh, so, you know, I was surprised with the names when we when we got the uh tabulation back and I just thought it was such a great mix of you know some real leading voices and artists in our community that have made a big impact and you know some names that we're maybe not as familiar with whose you know music really spoke to the jury and so I thought it was a great mix of that emerging and uh, and established artist and you know just mm. a great diversity of, of talent. Right now you mentioned 18 categories so th- over 250 submissions, I believe? That's correct. Yeah, we had over 250 submissions from all across Canada. So, uh, you know, we've narrowed it down. There's between three and five nominations that it's been narrowed down to in each category. Now, looking back a year to when you first wanted to bring the awards and bring the festival forward in 2020, that, of course, as you say, was postponed because of covid uh, mm-hmm. gave you an extra year to look at this and to, I guess, think things through and plan. So how, I guess you were initially, you might, everybody was probably a little disappointed, I'm sure. But looking forward now and coming to fruition for you at this point, how would you say things have, have either changed and, and were there any surprises for you? Has there been any positives to come out of this situation with COVID? So, you know, I think looking at our festival as a whole with the summer solstice, uh, you know, we decided to pivot to a virtual festival and event last April. So, you know, very short time frame after uh, the COVID restrictions. And, you know, we produced a 21 day festival starting on June 1st. So it was uh, a very uh, fast turnaround for us and really, you know, limited knowledge on on some of the tech, we learned a lot through the process, I would say. And, uh, you know, we really didn't know what kind of audience we would reach. We see mm. 50,000 people at our live event here in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, at the end of the festival last year, we had over 527,000 people tune into our programming over the 21 days. So 
uh, you know, the positive to come from it is that we've really just, you know, our audience blew up across uh, North America right. and we had really, you know, new engaged audience. And I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful and confident that that will transfer to the uh, SEMAs, to our awards and, you know, just create a, a large diverse audience for, for our artists that maybe would have not been able to attend had we been able to go live at the National Arts Centre as we hoped. Uh, you know, it's definitely made this virtual, you know, broadcast component uh, an important part of what we do. And mm. it's really expanded our audience and reach. So, you know, we're quite uh, confident that will help, uh, you know, create that new audience link for the artists as well. Now, as you say, this is going to go from uh, June 1st to June 21st. Yes. So obviously there's more than the awards happening. What else is going to be going on? Yes, absolutely. So we go June 1st to 21st. We have, uh, there's a virtual marketplace that's currently uh, open on our site as well. So, you know, I think an important uh, part of our community that's really impacted by the closure of the events is our vendors and artisans that uh, we have 75 normally involved in summer solstice. So, you know, we've curated a number of their goods and we're helping to uh, sell and, and distribute it. Um, and in that marketplace, we've now added all of our, um, you can pre-register for either craft or culinary workshops. So uh, with your registration, a kid is sent home. For example, we're doing a curried caribou meal with Chef uh, Trudy Metcalf Co. Uh, and when you register the kit with uh, the caribou and all the ingredients will arrive at home uh, in Ottawa. Uh, we are extending our delivery uh, for the culinary on our final weekend to the GTA and Manitoulin regions as well. Um, and it's the same with our craft kits. So our artists have all will go, go online and do the tutorial and teachings and that about the art and the kit of materials will arrive home and you can participate. And, and we have a outstanding live music showcase as well on our final weekend that we're um, it's premiering as part of the International Indigenous Music Summit. Uh, and then we're doing the public premiere on the final weekend of our event. So we're really excited by that. 16 uh, artist showcases. Um, and it gives a little background, like a, a background and story on the artist in addition to their live performance. So, you know, again, something easier to accomplish in a, in a virtual sense. And we have a competition powwow on our final weekend. Uh, so we're excited. Uh, drums and dancers from all across North America. We're partnering with Social Distance Powwow in uh, the U.S. who uh, created a great uh, outlet for, uh, you know, keeping connected during this time. And, uh, and then we have a couple of live drive-in events. So, uh, you know, hopefully if restrictions uh open just a tiny bit out of the stay at home. We have uh, an opening uh, drive-in movie night planned and then a closing drive-in concert on June 21st. So cool. lots of uh, stuff happening over the month. Uh, you mentioned quite a bit of stuff there. Uh, the culinary aspect of this, the live, the powwow competition, the music, uh, the music events, um, with those, those profiles and the artists that are going to be represented, is that a live kind of thing or are, they, are the artists sending pre-taped things in? How's that working? Yeah, we're typically, a couple of them are live um, and we leave that to the artist. You know, a couple of artists are more comfortable delivering live where it doesn't exist on the, I think we're all, mm. uh, you know, exploring ways to continue our careers and that online. So that is a preference of some artists. Uh, most of it is pre-recorded and sent to us and then we we publish it live 
uh, at the scheduled time. We always invite our artists to, so I think that's a bit of an interesting experience. Uh, last year when we did our live music programming, we always make sure the artists join us for the live. And so they're chatting with everybody during the show. And I think, you know, getting to watch themselves and <laughs> interact with the audience in a different way. Right. So, you know, we try to keep it as interactive as we can. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, the other thing that I really sounds sounds interesting is that culinary uh, class that you can participate in. Yeah, you you register, you get this this kit sent to you of the meal, and then you yes. go online with the chef and you're making the meal with them. That's a really interesting way to try and incorporate something that otherwise would be kind of difficult to do, right? For this. Yeah, that that was really our biggest challenge last year as I took every single programming element we did and I thought, how can we still do this online? And, uh, you know, culinary is a big part of what we do at Summer Solstice and we've done big long table feasts mm. and all that kind of stuff. So when we created those boxes, we were really excited and right. it's, you know, it provides a traditional meal for a family at home when they're, you know, not getting to their community events and feasts and, uh, you know, just a great way to learn how to, you know, curry caribou and, <laughs> you know, we're making homemade fish tacos, right. uh, you know, creating your own corn shells. We have um, like a seared venison rack. So there's just some really great options. And, uh, you know, you get to learn from some of the best Indigenous chefs yeah. and, you know, have some traditional food at home. And there's less cleanup. <laughs> yeah, it is. It comes, it's kind of like those, you know, pre-made meal boxes where right. all your supplies are there. So <laughs> you're not just, opening I, up everything. I was just thinking of the live event where you have all these people that you got to clean up afterwards. Yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the, there's other things though, the marketplace, can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so last year when we were first, uh, moving to the virtual platform, uh, our first thought was to reach out and kind of create a space and drive, uh, you know, some of our visitors to the individual vendors to purchase. Uh, and we quickly realized that, you know, there's such small micro businesses, that a lot of them didn't have any e-commerce, you know, ability or anything set up. And so we started working with uh, Go For It, who are an Indigenous-owned courier company here in Ottawa. And they were able to do, they're kind of like our fulfillment, uh, you know, I won't use the Amazon, but, uh, you know, they store all of our vendors' items and distribute it. It's like next day delivery if it's in Ottawa, but they can ship across Canada and so it just really, I think, took a lot of the pressure off of a lot of our vendors. You know, they send in new inventory when it's ready and we put it on a Shopify and uh, sell and distribute for them. So we have over 40 different uh, artists now, mostly from Ontario, as we get support from Indig uh, Indigenous Tourism Ontario. And, you know, really, there's everything from sealskin earrings mm -hmm. to carvings and paintings to bags of corn soup that you can make at home. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of great products. Wonderful. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Trina Mather-Simard, and she is the Executive Director of the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival and Summer Solstice Indigenous Music Awards, which are happening on June 12th. The Summer Indigenous Festival itself is happening from June 1st to June 21st, and we're talking with Trina about all the things that are happening. They just 
just announced the nominees, and you can actually find out more uh, about that by going to uh, the Summer Solstice uh, Indigenous Festival Music Awards. Uh, you can go to their their uh, Facebook. You can also go to their website. What would you say, uh, Trina, is the best way to to get to your uh, get get to that information? Yes, I would say you could either uh, go to our Facebook for the Summer Solstice Festivals or to our website, summersolsticefestivals.ca. And I did want to give a shout out. We also announced today our new presenting sponsor, which is making the awards possible, and that's uh, TD Bank. So we're, we're really excited they came on board and helped to bring this vision to life. Great. And also, if you go to the Element FM website, uh, our website, you can find out more. We'll have links to that information as well. Now, uh, we're talking, as I said to Trina, about some of the things that are happening. We've talked about uh, the marketplace. We talked about the culinary workshops that people can participate in. Um, Trina, creation creation workshops. Yeah, so those are artist-based uh, workshops where people can create, just like our culinary boxes, create the uh, art or craft at home. Uh, we've tried to add three this year uh, where you can find your own supplies, if you have some painting or sketching supplies. So we tried to make sure that at least three of them were uh, accessible without cost. Um, and we're doing a paint night with Simon Brockape. Uh, We're drawing sea creatures with an Inuit artist, Heather Campbell. Uh, We're doing floral beadwork kind of style painting on drums with uh, Métis artist, Jamie Morse. And that's because earlier in our programming, you can create your own hand drum with a package with uh, David Finkel. Uh, We're doing seal skin keychains. And we're also doing uh, small uh, paddles that you can paint in your own Algonquin uh, styles and so each of the workshops gives a lot of the you know teachings and artist background and then you can kind of make your own piece uh, at home so again it's kits that can be uh, sent home to you nice and, and uh, also education days that sounds really interesting yes uh, and it's funny last year when we started in 2020 was probably the one that I was most concerned about. I have two school-age children, and I know, you know, they were just switching to the the virtual programming. And, you know, so we put it out there because it's always been an important part of our festival. Wasn't really sure how many teachers and kids would engage. Um, You know, we had 16,000 students and teachers register from across Canada. And I think the final viewership by the end of June was more like (laughs) 100,000. So, you know, and it was just great. It was, again, we did pre-recorded videos, but the artists came on or the traditional teacher came on at the end and the kids were asking questions through chat and they really got a chance to, you know, just ask about life in the North or, you know, what it's like, you know, being in an urban environment, Indigenous and, you know, just really great engagement plus the program. So, you know, it's a, uh, Again, something that's hard to accomplish when we're live. We have 5,000 kids there that day. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's large groups and they're kind of moving from program to program. So it gave a little more personal element, which was nice. Nice. And uh, the numbers are unbelievable that you've been pulling in. Wow. I, it it honestly blew us away. We had, you know, it's funny because when I had to read, pitch the programming to our supporters you know we have great sponsors and great uh, funding partners that all believed in the vision and continued 
to support us. So, you know, and we were giving them numbers based on our live event and we thought we'd be really happy if we reached that. So, you know, we really didn't know what to expect last year. Yeah. And you were thrown around that number of over 500,000 earlier in the show as well. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. Combined with all of our different programming elements was over 527,000 engagements. So, you know, each program, like our our main core programming, like our celebration stage and education day, our powwow and our, um, you know, cultural arts and culinary, they each got, you know, 80 to 100,000 viewers participating and lots of engagement uh, through social media. So, yeah, went, uh, the virtual event went very well for us, yeah. Now, on June 12th, when the uh, Music Awards are announced uh, from the oh, National yeah. Arts Centre with uh, your host, uh, which will be Serene Fox, how is, that, uh, how, how is that going to work in terms of, uh, of the artists? Yes, we, uh, we've been working hard. You know, it's always a priority for me to have things as interactive as, and engaging as we can, as close to our live event as sure. possible. So we've actually got some really great ideas in our production team on working, uh, you know, ways that our artists are going to be live with us and be able to accept their awards live, even though we're virtual. And so, you know, we've really got some uh, a great uh, technical team that's uh, making that happen. So we had hoped, in addition to being here in Ottawa, we had planned watch parties across Canada where we wanted to, you know, gather as many people as were allowed in those regions. But uh, it's even more challenging now than it was a few months ago when Mm -hmm. we were planning, of course. So, uh, you know, we're we're always trying to find new ways to make it as live as we can. So, uh, yeah, the team's got some great ideas. And uh, tell me more about your host, Serene Fox. What can you tell us about her? Yes, absolutely. We're actually going to have two hosts. Okay. So uh, she's the first announced. And so we asked her to uh, to do that nominee announcement. Um, and last year, uh, when we announced that we were doing the awards, I was attending uh, the International Indigenous Music Summit, who we're partners with this year, who are also running uh, from the National Arts Centre the same week. And uh, when we were down there, I just, you know, uh, uh, Vince and I had thought that she would just be such a perfect host. And she's, you know, passionate about our community voice and, you know, mm. uh, uh, passionate about music. And so, yeah, we were really excited. Uh, so we had invited her last year to host. And then uh, when we had to postpone it this year, we were really excited that the dates still worked. <laughs> great. That's fabulous. And she's got, she had those great earrings on today, right? We were talking about <laughs> I know. Because she's always, she's always got, uh, she has such a great sense of style. It's uh, incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're just about finishing up. I'm just wondering what else can you tell us that we might want to anticipate uh, with bated breath about the upcoming event? (laughs) So one thing I will share for our Ottawa audience, uh, you know, as unfortunately we're only able to do this locally, uh, but we are shortly announcing uh, a gala in a box. So uh, for all those culinary enthusiasts who may not want to prepare it themselves, it is an Indigenous chef-prepared celebratory box that will come out so you can enjoy a a wonderful meal while you're watching uh, the awards from home. So uh, that will be released shortly, and it's uh, it's a really exciting menu and some really fun uh, swag and and that in the box. And uh, other than that, nothing really other than to say, you know, we're just so 
you know, grateful to the artists for their participation and, you know, so incredibly grateful to our sponsors and partners. Um, Again, as I mentioned, TD came on recently as our first presenting sponsor Mm. and is really allowing us to, you know, uh, foreseen our vision for for these awards and Ottawa Tourism, uh, you know, and other partners have all come forward to to help support and make it happen. So, yeah, uh, that's all I really have to add. Um, that's great. It's all, of course, very exciting. And uh, we wish you all the best. I guess in some ways you're happy that it's coming down to the to the final wire here when you're finally going to be going live. It's getting close. <laughs> it is getting close. Yes. It'd be nice to have a little bit of, uh, you know, firm direction on what our province is going to look like uh, June 12th. But, uh, you know, we've got plan A, B and C lined up to make it a great awards night. So, uh, yeah, we're very excited to, to actually uh, see the results and get to celebrate this talent. And, and I think that's really exciting that you have that little bit of a culinary thing going on in the Ottawa area for those people that are going to watch, that they can uh, get that uh, celebratory dinner uh, feast that you were talking about for that area. And, and, you know, that makes me think that would be the one thing, I guess, trying to pull a meal together and do it on a large scale. Uh, that obviously would be difficult because you've got to get the ingredients, you've got to get the people that know, especially with uh, indigenous uh, culinary stuff, to to be able to pull that together and then be able to get it out uh, delivered to the people that want to have it as well. Yep, it uh, you know it all comes down to our key partnerships. Uh, you know the chefs that we work with, and actually the chef for that night, uh, Trudy Metcalf Cole. Uh, she's uh, an Inuit chef and has worked with us on some really large events. We did uh, a massive traditional feast with the Museum of History. Uh, that she helped uh, to deliver, I think, three or 400 people we did for long table meals there. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then we have the great partnership with Go For It, who does our local courier delivery and uh, always love to support Indigenous business. And uh, their fulfillment just, you know, eases everything for us for the kits and these, uh, they do our uh, our meal delivery as well. So. Right. Well, Trina, our time is just about up. I just would, wouldn't mind if you uh, could mention the uh, sites again where people can go to uh, hear those uh, those announcements for the nominees that are coming up on June 12th, once again, for your Summer Solstice Indigenous Music Awards Festival, live from the National Arts Centre, and, uh, and also just to, to find out more about the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival itself. Absolutely. We would love uh, people to join us. Our website is summersolsticefestivals.ca and uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram under uh, the Summer Solstice Festivals, Ottawa Summer Solstice. And, uh, you know, we would love to have everyone, uh, even more people join in and participate this year. Yeah, sounds great. What a, what, I mean, after those numbers you were throwing around, uh, wow. Um, I get, uh, yeah, well, wonderful. That's so wonderful. And it sounds so exciting. <laughs> sounds so exciting. And uh, we want to wish, uh, of course, all the artists uh, the best uh, as they uh, as they go forward to the to the awards coming up on the 12th. And the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival uh, runs from June 1st to June 21st. So each and every day, there's stuff to do online. So it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Trina. I want to thank you for taking the time, uh, Chimigwech, for joining us to talk about the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival and the Music Awards. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Miigwech. All right, you take care, and uh, I look forward to doing this again with you in the future. <laughs> Sounds good, thanks. All right, take care, bye-bye. 
That is the the voice of Trina Mather Simard, and she is the executive director of the Summer Solstice Indigenous Festival and Music Awards, which we have been talking about from June 1st to June 21st. You can find out more, as she mentioned, going to summersolsticefestivals.ca. You can also follow them online on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. And uh, don't forget, the Music Awards being announced June 12th, live from the National Arts Centre. It's been such a pleasure having Trina on the show to talk about this inaugural. It's the first time. It was supposed to happen last year. Didn't get to happen. Happening this year. And that is this part of the show. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, David Moses. Stay tuned. We're coming back with more right after this break, right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. You could also be listening on the iHeartRadio app and punch in our coordinates. You can take us with you anywhere you go. You might also be listening on one of your favorite podcast platforms, That's great. We welcome you, as well as uh, those people that might be listening on other radio stations that that now carry Moment of Truth. It's great to have you all here with us. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show a couple of comedians that are here to talk about the Unknown Comedy Club. And it is Canada's premier online comedy club, and it has new shows weekly. And It is black-owned. It's an online comedy club that presents the best stand-up from around the world each week in live exclusive streams from a virtual comedy club. And it was founded by Rodney Ramsey and Daniel Woodrow, and they are both with me here. The Unknown Comedy Club, by way of Toronto and Montreal, has gained rapid success for presenting a high-quality entertainment experience for performers and audiences alike. Now, uh, Ramsey and Woodrow have worked meticulously to have the Unknown Comedy Club feel like an in-person comedy known experience, I guess you might say. (laughs) And uh, it's a 3D virtual venue. It has pre-show, DJ sets, interaction with performers and other audience members throughout, and has an avatar host to warm the crowd and keep the show moving between acts. It's a professional comedy club experience from beginning to end. And the audiences can enjoy uh, on their home screens from anywhere in the world. And it was launched in March of 2021. And so it's a pleasure to have both uh, uh, Rodney and Daniel here on the show. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. I don't even know if there's anything left to say. I mean, you said it all. Should we just leave now? I mean, all right, that's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> no, there is there is more to say because um, you know uh, when when I was looking over the material and I was checking you guys out to see what you're doing. I'm so glad, uh, by the way, uh, Rodney, that you got your your uh, your avatar with us here today because it's. Uh, I don't. It's... I don't actually know where my real body is. I've been in here since since March. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you only get this guy now. <laughs> so is that becoming weird for you or what? Uh, you know what's really weird is how comfortable people are becoming with it. Yeah. That's what's really weird. Yeah, uh, I, I'm actually super used to this now. I've been clocking a lot of hours in uh, virtual reality. So yeah, this is this is the norm. It's becoming very weird for me, though. Like, uh, it's hard having but, meetings with an avatar every day. It's, uh, <laughs> Rodney, you're still you, you know? <laughs> but, but Rodney, you know, uh, the thing is, I, I guess that you might be onto something because, you know, avatars are getting more and more popular, right? 
Yeah, I mean, in every shape uh, or form, like, uh, I mean, this is a pretty uh, sophisticated, uh, you know, kind of software mm. I'm using to have an avatar. I'm yeah. using a Flipside mm. Studio. Big mm. up, love these guys. Uh, they're great support. And you can actually get it free right. online um, uh, if you have the proper computer and, and headset. But I mean, yeah. you know, there are all kinds of Snapchat filters out there. I mean, people you are using this stuff every day. You know, it's pretty much uh, augmented reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Anybody can have a filter. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, avatars all over the place. I think in like maybe like three, four years from now, this is going to be one of those things that comics are just doing when it's readily accept, uh, accessible because I'm not the only comedian avatar out there. I think I might be just the only one performing for real people right, right now. Yeah. For the people that uh, can't see this, which I guess is everyone because radio, um, Rodney, uh, it's not like the movie avatar because I know if you're thinking of a blue yeah. character, it's not right. Yeah, yeah they're blue. I'm black. I'm, I'm still <laughs> it's like black. a black guy with with big beady eyes and a black suit and a black tie it's it's very professional but uh it's freaky because like his hands move his fingers move yeah. they're they're very extra long fingers he can hold like a mic it, yeah. it really is when you're like watching the show you kind of forget after a while that he's not a person like there's legit some comedians that don't live in the same city as rodney that have not seen his real face since we started this <laughs> um and uh we're actually we would like to eventually come to the point where we could uh populate um all of our shows with avatar hosts, um, but it's very expensive. So if you come to these shows, you will be, uh, you know, raising money to get Daniel an avatar as well. That's what we're really trying to do. We, no one wants to see uh, Daniel's a real person anymore. So I don't even. <laughs> he doesn't want to be one. <laughs> it's the future, man. It's the future. Hey, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I'm so glad you you'd pointed that out, uh, uh, Daniel, about the the avatar, what it looks like, and and I guess that's the other advantage uh, for for Rodney in this particular case because. You're right. He looks very professional. He's got a suit. He, he It moves. I mean, even as we're talking, his head's move, his hand's moving around, and, and he's got different camera angles and all that kind of stuff, which is very cool. But he could be sitting there in his underwear. I'm sure he is. <laughs> and right. I haven't showered in like a right. week. I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't. Don't, don't, don't put that in. Cut that out. <laughs> There's uh, no uh, avatar showers. I don't think they've actually gotten that technology yet. I'm sure it's Well, coming. I'm thinking because like I was always afraid of being one of those like you know, comedy, comedy is one of those things that like people become ageist about, you know what I mean? And like, you might be an older guy, get on a stage for, you know, a younger crowd. And just by looking at you, they turn off, you know, <laughs> but this, I am forever young here. You know what I'm saying? Ronnie's 94. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually 94 years old hey, and man. a white person. This is wrong what I'm doing. But like, I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, I just figure I, I think like, honestly, like I'm going to be doing comedy a lot longer now because of this. Like, uh, I mean, I literally can be anybody uh, and any age I want, you know, so I figure, yeah, I got no expiry date now. So, uh, listen, I see that you guys, uh, when you started this, it wasn't something that you wanted to. You said you felt you had to start it. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, for comedians, you kind of have to be constantly performing mm -hmm. like um you know, we've been doing it for many years and it's just like you, it's like an athlete in a way when you, you have to constantly be training and you get or, rusty. Or, and I'm just going to cut you off for one second, or you're a musician and musicians yeah. would know, you know, you're playing a piano, you stop for a couple of days and you're not as good as you were hmm. the last time you played. Sorry, continue. So then like, it's like that, but then it starts to be one month, two months, three months, six months, a year. And you're like, all right, nothing's happening. Like if I'm going to be continuing to do this we have to do something and like most of the zoom shows like nobody knows how to use zoom it's just like a disaster 
where you, the people are just talking and it, it just, they weren't fun or like the mics would be off cameras would be off. So you're just performing to other comedians or yourself. So what me and Ronnie wanted to do is like recreate the environment of a comedy club as much as humanly possible. And Both. the, and the experience, the, the actual feeling from mm-hmm. comedy, because the crazy thing about comedy is like you go there and like, yeah, you're being, everybody is being networked through the comedian. Right. And everybody is experiencing the same thing, right? Like laughter at mm. the exact same time, which like, I mean, mm. it's pretty incredible within itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So that feeling of being in a community and being networked with everybody else in the room positively is the thing we were really trying to create. Yeah. yeah Cause you. it makes like the comedians when, when they leave a show, like the big part of performing is leaving that stage with that, like after performance, high, whatever. And we're like, we're, able in a way to replicate that now for comedians. And I think that translates to the audience as well, because they're feeling connected and they're feeling like, yeah, we were part of a group tonight. And that's something that's missing currently in society. Mm. Well, you guys are are kind of dispelling one particular rumor I thought about, about comics. And that was that they were always on. (laughs) Always on. Right. Right? No. uh, Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's 11 a.m. So, That were at the time of this recording. So I, uh, my comedy excels throughout the day and gets bigger <laughs> and better. But uh, no, I mean, thing is like, I guess, yeah, we are comedians first, but we got to run a business now, which we didn't. Right. Uh, Ronnie came up to me. He's like, hey, we should uh, want to start a online comedy club. I'm like, sure. And then next thing you know, we're working a full-time job. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't, oh, uh, hours. I didn't apply for this. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the industry, like the comics, like they need it. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. Because again, like Daniel was saying, right. Uh, you need to be performing all the time. Comics are on stage like four or five days a week. Right. You know, three of those shows will probably be for free because they're trying out new material. Right. So, and like, I know comics who haven't been on stage in a year and these are guys mm. who've been on stage like every day. And it's not just that they're not getting the practice. Like comedians go crazy if they don't have, get all that stuff in their brain out mm. to the public. Right. So you're getting a lot of these guys who've got like 30 minutes in the bank and they don't even know if it's funny. Right. Mm. So yeah, we really feel like we're giving comics a, a service. And like, by the time when things have inevitably open up, you know, comics or comics who've been working with us are, you know, they're going to be fresh. They're going to go up on stage and they're not going to feel as rusty as they would have because, you know, they've been doing shows with us and we've simulated the live comedy experience. They can do crowd work with yeah. us. Like you know I found I, mean? I couldn't write, like I wasn't writing because I'm the kind of person that I have to write, like I'll write the beginning of a joke and then I have to kind of go try it on stage right? and, and feel it out then write more to it. And I just like turned off that tool I had. And so that since doing this, like I really want to come out of um, this whole like quarantine and pandemic with like a all new material, like a, a good solid uh, like set of material that I can talk about and it's fresh and it's about what's current and not what was happening two years ago. All right. You know, Rodney, you said something that I thought was interesting there about comics having to get this stuff out of their head when it comes to them, right? I, I can fully understand what that would uh, or potentially would feel like for, uh, I guess it's like a discovery, Right, somebody in, inventing exactly. or or discovering something, and they have to explore it. They have to uh, work on it to see if it's if it's actually uh, has some has some validity to to what it is they're thinking about. So uh, that's really interesting. I never thought of it like that for for comics that it could build up and has to explode. They have to get it out uh, yeah. in order to to experience it. Dude, I mean, like I I have 
two kids and a wife and it, and like like Daniel was saying comedy is like kind of like this drug and if I'm not doing stand-up they do not want to be around me I am a miserable <laughs> miserable person it's just the way it is I need that fix you know what I mean again like and and like you know I don't think it's a stand-up thing I'm sure musicians are like this mm. and you know mm. uh, you know novelists anybody who who puts out stuff that anybody has to interact with. I mean, like people make the jokes real, right? Like the writing of it, the performance of it, that's literally one side. Mm. I mean, mm. <laughs> without an audience, there is no jokes, right? Like, and you cannot depend on other comics to laugh at your jokes because 90% of them will not for various reasons. You know what I mean? Mm. So you need that crowd. You have to have it. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. I have to ask this question as I'm staring at your avatar. And that is about and it's more about the technical side of, of the, the software that you're using and how uh, how um, how much draw does it have on your computer? Is it is it labor intensive for to work? Do you have to have a, a, a mega computer to work this? Stuff? Yeah, there's a reason why no other comics are doing this right now. <laughs> I mean, like, wow, I've because you have to understand, like, I've been in VR, pretty much VR development since it got like since it was cool, since right. it got like, not cool, but since it started in about 2013, 2014, as soon as I knew I can be inside of a computer, I was like down. Right. And uh, so I've been His like, wife you know, hasn't seen him since. <laughs> and I mean, I've been spending, I've been upgrading computers since 2013. Right. So, mm. I mean, like I, it's, it's, it's a mixture of, you know, resources to actually pick up the stuff and the actual knowledge because I mean, the knowledge base, I mean, you got to know, yeah, labor intensive on your, on your processor, your graphics card, but then you got to know, okay, which software do I got mm. to have mm. in order to use zoom <laughs> with my right. virtual reality? Sure. It's like, it's there's just a lot of things. I think right. knowledge is really sure. the thing you have to overcome. Right. And and but again, if, sorry, if sorry, someone just, wanted to do it right now. They, there's no graphic cards that you can get because people are <laughs> but min, mining Bitcoin like crazy and buying all the graphics cards in the world, yeah. literally. So yeah. I don't even know if someone could do this right now. Yeah, it's really, really hard thing to get to get into right now. But again, like to, the the headsets, like VR is actually pushing uh, PC technology right now. Things are coming out because they're trying to be better for VR. So in like two years from now, people will probably be able to do this like wirelessly without a PC, like super easy, mm. you know? Uh, so like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I think it's only going to be hard like right now. I think yeah, yeah. very, very <laughs> soon anybody can do this. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. You know, I realized that I didn't really give you guys a proper introduction off the top of the show. We've been talking for, for a while now, talking about the the Unknown Comedy Club, of course, and the things that you guys are doing. And, and that's great. But I want to give people a little more information on each of you. So Daniel Woodrow has been fighting hard to bring laughter to audiences all over the world. He's his laid back observational calls it like he sees it humor will make you wish you were his best friend. Woodrow's comedy has been seen on Just for Laughs, Just for Laughs 42, City TV, Comedy Network, Much Music, MTV and heard on Sirius XM. And a little bit about Rodney. Since the beginning, Rodney Ramsey has approached his career less like a stand-up comedian and more like a mad scientist using <laughs> the stage as a laboratory. And Rodney has performed at multitude events such as the Drunken Show, Comedy Dogs, Tarantino Tribute Show, and in 2012, Rodney created Canada's first all-black comedy tour, the Underground Comedy Railroad, which tours the country annually during Black History Month. So there are some of the things 
things that, that the gentlemen that I have with me on the show that have brought to life through their work. And it's a pleasure to have them on the show to talk about the Unknown Comedy Club, which is available online by going to theunknowncomedyclub.com. And as we said, weekly shows. They have weekly shows. So, guys, how difficult was this to set up for you? Um, and and tell us a little more about about the shows themselves. How long they last? How many how many artists you might have on any given time? Uh, you know those kind of details. I'll I'll start off with uh, how hard it was to get off all the ground, and yeah. you can you 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 tell about the, the shows, right, Daniel? All right, okay. to that. So uh, the biggest hurdle was convincing <laughs> people that we could do this because I mean, like people are, again, like they look at Zoom and they're like, ugh. You know what I mean? I got to do this thing again. It's not as bad anymore. When we first started this, like nobody knew what was going on. We all, all we knew was that you could not go to a comedy club anymore and that this is all that we had and people weren't as conditioned. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, back in like October of last year, you told someone to take off their mute button Mm. and put their camera on, not going to happen 95% of the time. But now you ask them, they they might, they might do it, you know, 50, 50. So at the beginning it was more like, yo, how do we convince these people comics and audience members that this can actually be a thing so like you know and and how do we make them spend money like how do we convince them that this is actually a thing that they can spend money on right so like i think the biggest hurdle for us was trying to figure out how to get people in the place to give us a chance and how to actually you know make money off it that uh, what's happening now is that we've established this weird niche you know we're like we're like kind of a stand-up comedy club we're kind of like a, we're kind of like facebook streaming because you can chat on it but you can interact you know what i mean so we're kind of like netflixy it's it's like this weird you know we're in this weird place where we're in between all of these different mediums and we're kind of making it work uh together and most of our shows uh, we try to make this as equitable as humanly possible. We want laughter to be affordable for everybody, ex- especially like right now where, you know, so many people are out of work. So our shows for now, right now, they're donation based. So like, I mean, you know what I mean? If you, whatever you can give, right? Five, 10. I mean, people are usually good about, you know, donating to the artists. So we haven't had to change that model. Like we, we're not broke. <laughs> and uh, and we also have free shows as well. Like we have every a show every Wednesday mm. uh, that's called the beta show where we kind of like, this is a very, uh, you know, technical technically oriented mm. kind of uh, thing so we got to make sure that people have got all the right things that they need in order to do what daniel's doing right and have mm. like the nice club background and like mm-hmm. good mics we got to make sure mm-hmm. so yeah. the beta show that's where you come right? right and then we have if uh, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll have a showcase show on the weekends that's also free for now but on the weekends we mostly have uh like you know uh like a regular comedy club would have it's it's like headliners. Trying, yeah, go ahead. We're kind of trying to mix like the comedy club feel with also providing an environment for people to uh, do their own shows. Right. Like um, we're just acting like we're a venue. Like we've right. just made ourselves an online venue, and we try to act and staff it just like it is a real venue. Like it's, uh, I mean, if you're trying to create that atmosphere, I think that's the only way to do it. And it's just a constant improvement thing. It's right. it's not like there's no trick to it. It's more like every show you pay attention what works what doesn't work you try to improve it the next show and like we just don't have a lot of time so we're going as hard and as fast as possible with this Mm. so i just want to go back to the beginning about starting this up what i'm hearing is we have two comedians and that are pitching this idea about 
putting a show together online and people weren't taking you serious? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Listen, okay, like I'm not going to call anybody out. That's not what we do. We, you know, we're we're trying. I will. To get, no, I'm just. Trying. <laughs> we're trying. You know, we're trying to be friends with everybody. But like, uh, we went to. I mean, we shouldn't. It shouldn't have been us doing this. Okay, we don't have a giant email list. Right. Nobody. People know us as comics. We don't have a bunch of people like following us as a club. Like, who should have done this? The comedy club should have done this. Mm, like, I mean. Mm. I don't know. I right. mean, they had all the resources, right? right? Like, I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. It's uh, just like Blockbuster and should have been Netflix. I mean, they had all to, the movies. We tried right? to partner with them more than one, and yeah. they all all said, said no, emphatic yeah. no. Hmm. And and we we were just for various reasons, and we're like, all right, cool. Like, and they s- still haven't caught on. It seems like a few are dabbling now, but it's too late. Because, you know, again, it's one of those, I know this is such a lame thing to say because I'm in VR right now, but it's a matrix thing. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you cannot, you, we cannot show you what the unknown comedy club is. You must see it for yourself. <laughs> Just take, take the, what would it be? The, the red pill? I guess we'd right. be taking the red pill, right? Yeah. yeah. You'd be taking the red pill coming here, but you believe it. As soon as you see it, you know, it, we don't, you know exactly what it is, but people, they're still skeptical. And I think the clubs like Blockbuster mm. <laughs> are thinking, ah, this streaming thing is just going to go away everybody's just gonna keep renting movies which i think they will i don't the clubs won't go away but i think that this will be alongside the clubs because Mm. what comedian in their right mind wouldn't want to like make like 150 bucks 200 dollars by doing like a 20 minute set from their house you know what i mean like and not have to go to saskatchewan to make that money like that doesn't make any sense to me and if the crowds are getting the same experience people will be at home more than they're going to be in the clubs people watch netflix more than they go to stand up like uh you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. there's always going to be people at home. So I guess we're just going to have to keep convincing people that this is a thing. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where it's in a way it's kind of exists. Streaming has existed for a long time. Video game streamers yeah. have millions of followers yeah. and live comedy has existed for a long time, but yeah. no one has really done both properly. Right. And that's what right. we're trying to get to. So it's kind of like, it's also hard to know where you fit in the world and how it's going to last because it's something that's not quite existed before. Yeah, exactly. Because people, a lot of comics started doing is they're like, okay, so we're just going to stream the comedy, which is more of a podcast thing, right? You can't, you cannot do stand up in for Facebook Live. Like, you, you, say someone typing ha 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 in the chat <laughs> is not going to do it, you know? It's real time laughter, that connection of right. all the laughs and somebody saying something, you know? Like, one of the great things, like, uh, to me, one of, one of the greatest skills stand up can have is crowd work. I mean, to me, that is like, you need it, right? You got to be able to deal with hecklers. And me, like, I, I love crowd work, right? And, you know, when you're in a, a live crowd, you have to work off what these people give you. You know, they're in their, mm. they're in their nicest clothes. You know, they're in their best behavior if they're not drunk. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they try not to give you as much as possible. So you got to bring it out of them. Right. Here, when you, we have access to your homes. It's amazing. The other day, there was a guy, he was, he was watching us from his bed and he had these beautiful, like red, like freaking like satin pillows, you know, <laughs> and like Jim. the crowd work is easy at that point, right? <laughs> he was like, just lying. It was like an, uh, he was just like an old man lying down in bed, watching the show from his back on satin sheets, not moving for like several minutes. Like I had to be like, uh, Jim, I'm just checking in like during my set. Cause 
You never know. You know? <laughs> Did you have a laugh heart attack, bro? Come on, say something. Say something. <laughs> That's great. I was going to ask you about the live experience. We'll come back about that and how it's been interactively. Uh, but I just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Rodney Ramsey and Daniel Woodrow, and they are the creators of the Unknown Comedy Club, which is live and online weekly. They have weekly shows. You can check them out by going to the unknowncomedyclub.com to find out more. And uh, as it was pointed out, uh, this is sort of available to everyone. They want to make it accessible to everyone. And I believe I heard uh, Rodney say that you it's pay what you can. Donations. You don't yeah. donate to your donate to your artists. Yeah. All right. Uh, we like to use that language because to, to us it makes sense. Like it truly yeah. is. I mean, artists are hurting just as much as anybody else, if not more. Again, like you know, when it, when stuff like this goes down, people do not think about artists. They think that yeah. we don't make any money anyways, and we're yeah. just gonna <laughs> scrape by. You know what I mean? That is not the case. All right. But like we, you know, we haven't forgotten about the comics. And yeah, if you, you know, and Canadian Canadian entertainers already, mm. it's super hard. I mean, that's why everybody goes to the states, right? So you know, we we really want to be a place for Canadian comics to come and feel like they can connect to their own audience because before before this you wanted to you wanted to make money online honestly you have to pretty much go viral right and mm. that is 95 percent of people cannot do that mm. so us and we know every comic every comic can draw 50 to 100 people from their vast audience across the country maybe across the world so we mm. we're giving comics access to their numbers and being able to make money off of their fans worldwide right so right. if and- you're into that you love Canadian comedy, man. You want to donate. You want to donate to your to your comedians. Please come here, watch some of these shows. All right. Okay. So- we have uh, like three shows too coming up. Like on the twenty first, we will have the uh, Jason, Celine, and Oren uh, show, and that's uh, two comics from Montreal. Right? I'm correct with that, Ronnie. Yes. Yeah. yeah they're from Montreal. Comedy. They're great. Uh, we on Saturday we have actually like a really special show that Ronnie has put together. Actually, I'll let you talk about it because you're you've been really popular. okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I'm talking too much though. You're gonna have to talk the rest of the time. I'm just I'm just talking <laughs> yeah, my ass off. Cool. Um, so Montreal, where I'm located, um, there was a really special club. It was called the Comedy Works, and you know it was really like probably the best club like in the country. It had that Seinfeld basement, you know, brick wall feel. Like it was the it was the club in Canada that had that. I mean, everybody's worked there. Bill Burr. I mean, Kevin Hart. Sarah, so everybody, right? And uh, it's where a lot of people got their start. Like the best people in the country, Derek Sange, Heidi Foss, um, Barry Julian, who's actually the producer and head writer of the uh, Colbert show. Uh, Late Night with Colbert. He he worked out of there, right? So, uh, and like some of the greatest comics right now, like Ali Hassan, Dean Smith, all, we all came from this place. And a few years ago, it burnt down, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like totally tragic for like the comedy scene, like in Montreal and in Canada. But, uh, and now because this is a virtual world, we can recreate stuff. So we're actually bringing back the comedy works for one night with one of the, with like comedy alumni. Right. So it's going to be Quasi Thomas, uh, who's like uh, on a, on a show right now. And he's coming back to comedy. Uh, we got Deanne Smith, who's done a Netflix special, Iman uh, Hussein, who's like just traveled the world and the headliner, probably the best writer in the country uh, is uh, David Pride. And he's again, this is going to be a crazy show. One night only comedy works revival. Really, really, really excited about that one. And that's like, and that's just our Saturday show too. That's we just our Saturday. Sunday, yeah. Like, there's these two guys that are Keith and Big Norm, Keith Pedro and Big Norm out of uh, Toronto, and they've been 
running like these underground shows, not during the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, they'll do it in like a theater somewhere. I've even done one in the back uh, yard area of a barber shop that they had set up really nice. Like they put a lot of work into building this audience and having production value. Their, their show's called Bear Jokes and we're that's on Sunday. So we're really happy to bring, because they kind of love to use technology to their advantage and make their shows really fun and like have good intro videos, which fits perfectly with us. So we also have them on Sunday. It's actually going to be a really good weekend of shows. It's a good way for people to kind of like find out about us and, uh, you know, kind of see what we're all about. All right, guys, fabulous. And thanks so much for joining us on the show to talk about the Unknown Comedy Club and the weekly stuff that you guys have going on. And, you know, check it out online, folks. Go to theunknowncomedyclub.com. You can find out more there, find out more about the upcoming shows, check them out, give them a shot. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us and talk to us about the Unknown Comedy Club. Oh, thanks so much. And we'll, uh, we'll get you a ticket for, for the shows. All right. Come check All right. Out. Appreciate that. You know, what, you know what I love about this whole thing? Just one last thing. I love how you're so comfortable with my avatar. You haven't even realized that there's no- absolutely nothing in this coffee. You just totally accepted <laughs> that I'm drinking a cup of coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll let you go and have a real cup of coffee now. So, uh... <laughs> right. guys, thanks, thanks again. Man. Thank, you, man. Thank you, Thank you. And that is uh, Rodney Ramsey and Daniel Woodrow, and they've been on the show talking about the Unknown Comedy Club here on Moment of Truth on Element FM. It's been a real pleasure having these guys on the show. I, hey, I look forward to having you guys back on the show uh, at a future date. You can uh, give us an update and see how things are going. Sounds great. Yeah, Love it. Great. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth each and every day. I'm your host, David Moses, and we will see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.